What's up, Joe? What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Sports 360. I'm Jeff Fennell, and I'm here with my man, my partner in crime, Rob Duran of Rob Duran Sports. Rob, what's up, man? Hey, how's it going, man? I'm doing well. I am doing well. I got some, I I, I got big news, bro. I got big news. Yeah. My appeal was successful. Oh, so, yeah. So I, I, I'm off the pickleball court, and <laughs> I'm now eligible to make picks in the NFL again after my 0 for two showing in the championship round. So there we go. Congratulations, um, man. Yeah, thanks, man. Thanks. But I tell you what, brother was hot when it came to picking <laughs> pickleball games, man. I started to realize, you know, all you had to do was like look at these, you know, these pickleball. Because pickleball, man, it, do you know pickleball is the fastest growing sport in the United I, States? I know nothing about pickleball, man. You got oh, me there. Man. It's the no, in all seriousness, it's the fastest growing sport in the United States. Have you ever wow. seen pickleball? It's on television too. Wow. They have professional pickleball players. Yeah. We may have to it's, we may have to cover that. We may. Listen, when I first moved in, in into you know my new my new digs in, in here in Charlotte, uh I met a guy who, you know, he was retired. And first thing he asked me, You retired? I said, Nope. And he and he said, and I said, No, I said, why? And he wanted to know if I could be part of the pickleball <laughs> set. And I'm like, nah, Duke, I'm not ready for that. <laughs> but um, nah, pickleball. Hey, don't sleep on pickleball. because And, and there's a lot of younger pl- people that play pickleball, but certainly there's a lot of older people that play because it's sort of a smaller, it's a smaller tennis court. Yeah. And you know, you, you have rackets and you have this hard plastic ball. That's about the size of a softball. And so you don't have to run that much because it's a small court. And if you're playing double, you don't really have to run at all. So I think that's one of the reasons why older people play, but it's also younger people are playing it too, but it's, it's taking the country by storm, man. Well, so let's listen. I tried to be a baseball player when I was younger. It didn't work out. I may have a future at all. Now that you mentioned this, yeah, yeah. I mean, you might be pickleball champion. Pickleball. I don't know <laughs> why it's called that, <laughs> but uh, but yeah. I listen, man. But when I was calling them pickleball games. Man, you talk about what you were doing when you picked the um, playoffs last year for MLB and how you got every series except one. Man, you couldn't touch me with my pickleball selections. <laughs> so I'm ready for you. I, I'm coming for you. And, it's, and, it's, and it starts today with our, with our selection for the Super Bowl. So, okay. So we have the Rams against the Bengals, and you picked both teams in the championship round. And you've been talking about Matthew Stafford. You've been talking about Joe Burrow. And, you know, these are your guys. It's going to be tough for you this time, man, because now you have to go with one of them. So... I don't know what you're going to do, but we have to make our selections for the Super Bowl, which is coming up this Sunday. Um, have you done your homework? Man. Uh, yeah, I guess. I don't know, man. Can we just end you this still game like a tie? You still don't have a pick? Ooh, I have a pick. I have a pick. Okay. And it, and it's right. not easy. Okay. Well, it seems like you're going to struggle with your pick. So, you know, I'm, I'm, look, first of all, 
I'm I'm happy that <clears throat> we've had the two weeks for the Super Bowl. There's been a couple of times we've had one week in between, and I I don't like that. It almost makes it seem like the Super Bowl is like any other regular season game or playoff game. And I think the two week run up is good, even though it's not the same as it used to be. Um, Cause there's just more going on now. Yeah. You know, um, that takes up the sports calendar. And so you don't get a lot of that Super Bowl coverage as you used to. Um, but I still think the two weeks is good. It gives the, you know, both coaches and both teams a chance to, really game plan and maybe even put in some new wrinkles, right? I think it's hard to put in a new wrinkle in a week, but over yeah. a two week period, you might be able to put in a wrinkle or two that might make a difference <clears throat> in the game. So, um, yeah, so I'm looking forward to it, man. It's, you know, coming up this Sunday and I know who I'm picking. Um, I, I'm just going to ask you though, you, you want to go first or you want me to go first? I guess I'll go first, man. I'll go first. Okay. All right. So for someone who has been riding Matthew Stafford, you know, you said you told him in, from the beginning of the playoffs, don't commit turnovers, and he's been pretty good with that. Yeah. And then on the other side with the Cincinnati Bengals, you know, Joe Burrow has just been your guy from day one. And so this is a tough one for you. So who you got? Well, for the second year in a row, there's a team with home field advantage here, and that's obviously the Rams. They're playing on their home turf. They have a crazy front line with with Aaron Donald, obviously, Vaughn Miller, uh, Leonard Floyd, a couple other guys who would just, you know, it's advantage Rams when you go in the trenches because the Bengals O-line don't have to keep repeating ourselves with that. They can't protect Joe Borer at all. Somehow he continues to make plays, win games, get those passes off. Um, but this is the best defensive front that he's had to face in these playoffs, including the Titans that got after him. I think they sacked him nine times. So it's crazy to think that he's here at the Super Bowl after taking so many hits. Um, so you would think advantage Rams in that case uh, with the home field advantage, the trenches, all that stuff. I think the big money matchup in this game is going to be Jamar Chase versus Jalen Ramsey. I think that's that's going to be the matchup of the game. Um, so it'll be great to see those two guys go at it. Uh, but I'll tell you this, Jeff. The Bengals' defense also can't be ignored here. You know, they stopped Patrick Mahomes in that second half. They stopped Derrick Henry in that Tennessee game, even though he was coming back from injury. He wasn't himself. But they did a great job, you know, making plays when they had to make plays and making stops when they needed to make stops. Both quarterbacks are playing probably their best ball of the, of the season, especially Matthew Stafford limiting the turnovers. I think just one interception, these playoffs, um, thanks to me, of course, but <laughs> <laughs> listen, man, I think Joe Burrow is going to get it done. I'm going with my man, Joe cool to finish it off. And it's going to be, I think it's going to be a very close game. I don't think there's going to be some crazy comeback in this game. Um, I don't have a score off the top of my head. If I did have to pick one, though, I'd go something like maybe 34-31 with the, with the Cincinnati Bengals being Super Bowl champions and Joe Burrow the MVP. Well... That's I I agree with you, you know when you know you say that uh, you know this this is going to you know the the front line play is going to be important. I agree with that, <clears throat> and I think Cincinnati actually <clears throat> did a pretty good job last time against Kansas City of protecting Joe Burrow. And sure, there was a couple of times the protection. Could have been viewed as breaking down or maybe the coverage in the secondary was just good and joe had to scramble yeah. and and he made some big plays especially in the fourth quarter 
um, to sustain drives and, and the rest of it. Um, but I do think, you know, what the, 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 the line of scrimmage is going to be really important. Um, look, I, I, I'm not going to bury the lead. I think I, I'm picking the Rams in this game. And um, I don't believe it's going to be any last second magic here. In fact, I don't even think it's going to be close. Ooh. I believe the Rams will win this game. I'm giving them, you know, 37-16. I don't, I don't wow. think I don't think this is going to be close. I think that um I think that McVay second time to the Super Bowl, um you know, he got he kind of got outfoxed by Belichick the last time and was laid bare a little bit in terms of the preparation for the team. I think he um will probably have taken some lessons from that. Cincinnati is here for the very first time, and obviously their coach, um, when I say for the very first time, meaning this particular Cincinnati yeah. team, not as a franchise. Um, and so I think, you know, they they have some things to do. But listen, I've been impressed by their coaching staff and, and what they've been able to do and how they play. You got to give them their due. Um, but I think it ends here. And I and I think the Rams are going to put it on them. Um, you know, I you know Odell Beckham Jr. in that game uh, against San Francisco really turned up, man. Yes, you know did. what I mean. He, he and then Cooper Cup is still doing his thing, and I believe if they have that kind of a one-two punch, that's tough, man. That's tough, and I think that'll help them get the running game going a little bit and and make it even tougher. Um, I think Ramsey's going to get a pick six, put that in the book right now. Joe Burrow's mm-hmm. going to try him and, and he's going to take it to the house. Um, yeah, I'm looking for the Rams to, you know, I think our run up close NFL playoff games ends in the Super Bowl and we get back to, you know, what we typically see in the Super Bowl, which is a blowout. Yeah. So, what I would say to you is enjoy the halftime entertainment, you know, Eminem and, and Snoop Dogg, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Mary J. Blige, Dr. Dre, you know what I mean? That, you know, enjoy that. That's going to be a good halftime show, by the way. It's I'm, probably going to be the, yeah. I, I'm excited for so. that. Me too. Me too. I'm looking forward to that too. But a I'm lot, also looking forward the... to the game. But yeah. it's going to be a blowout, Rob. I'm sorry, man. Joe Burrow's going down. 37-16. I wrote that down. Pick six, Jalen Ramsey. Yep. I'll make sure to write that down. All right. <laughs> and we, and you can make sure we talk about it next week. I'm bringing we my pickleball skills. I'm bringing my pickleball skills to the gridiron, man. Don't Listen, I'm sleep scared on of that. me, man. I'm scared of that Rams defensive line man because you can say all you want about Tennessee's guys and you know the Chiefs like you said they did a pretty good job uh, the Bengals side did a pretty good job but they haven't faced the, these guys these guys are just different Aaron Donald is different if you double him somebody else is coming you know so uh, so oh good luck I just hope they rebuild yeah. that old line for next year and really protect Joe like I don't blame you for for going with Cincinnati because Cincinnati has shown, I think, some remarkable resilience. You know, because yeah. that the game against Tennessee with the nine sacks—I mean, that was really a that 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 was a smash mouth game. Yeah, and they prevailed in that. And the game against Kansas City, we we talked about it. Kansas City came out in that first half and pretty much was having its way with, with Cincinnati and they just hung in there and, and they continued to play and they were able to pull it out. And so I don't blame you for going with them that they're resilient, but I just, I think this is, this is the Rams time. And it's funny because this is the first time in the postseason I'm, I'm actually picking the Rams. So they need to be nervous, probably. (laughs) (laughs) 
Because <laughs> I picked the Cardinals to beat them. I picked Tampa Bay to beat them. Yeah. I picked San Francisco to beat them. <laughs> and now I'm I'm picking the Rams. They need to be nervous. Man. Well, yeah, we, they should be nervous. So, so <laughs> you you think Joe Burrow, I guess if you're if you are if you are selecting Cincinnati to win this, I would imagine Joe Burrow as the MVP. I would go with that, yeah. I think he would need to have a very big, great game. Like, it can't be one of those where the defense wins the game, something like that. You know, like, I think he needs to pass pass for 300-plus, maybe 350-plus, and really get the ball down the field. You know, Jamar Chase, he may be locked up with Jalen Ramsey, but he needs to find his other weapons and, and get the ball on the field. I think the running game has to open that up for him. So, Mixon has to find a way to create some type of yardage you know, find some holes, find some space, and get down that way the play action and all that stuff can open up the field and hopefully find Jamar Chase down the field and stuff like that. But he needs to have 300 or 350 plus, I think, to win this game. And I think he'll do it. I I, I think that Cincinnati, it wouldn't make sense for Cincinnati to move Jamar Chase around and not to get him always locked in with Jalen Ramsey. Like, even if they have to sometimes put him in the slot. But I think, you know, they they need to, they need to have some variety in the way that they use him and where they line him up. If they can, if they just put him outside and he's with Ramsey all day long, I don't think that's a good formula for not, them. Not at all, yeah. I agree. They definitely have to, they have to move him around. You can't just yeah. leave him there on that island. Now, what about that tight end um, who got hurt? And I'm talking about Cincinnati's tight end. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Azumaga or something like that. Uh, you know the Yeah. Name? I know he, what you're talking about. I don't know how to pronounce it either, though. <laughs> yeah, but he, he got hurt early in yeah. the championship game against Kansas City. And I read shortly, you know, in a week of not a week or two, a day or two after the AFC championship game that he might be able to play in the Super Bowl. Have you seen any update on that? I think I saw maybe a couple hours ago, there's optimism that he'll play, but they're not sure. I don't think he practiced today. Today's Wednesday. Yeah. I don't think he practiced today. So they're still waiting to see how he progresses in the rehab. He's really, he's pretty confident that he's going to play. Um, I think they interviewed him recently. He said, yeah, I'm, doing everything I can to be out there. It's the last game. I have to be out there. But, you know, obviously injuries are the ones that dictate whether you go out there or not. And, you know, a knee injury, especially the type he had that they thought it was a tear, I think in the MCL, uh, definitely something to be careful about. But if he's, if he's able to be out there and, you know, maybe be at 80%, that's a big, that makes a big difference too for the Bengals offense. I agree. I agree. Um, I, I just wonder, you know, yeah, he's going to want to play because it's the Super Bowl. Um, but, you know, if he's out there, how effective can he be is going to be a real question. But I, I, I still like, you know, the Rams. Uh, I, I think McVeigh is going to go into his his bag, um, it, which is interesting because I thought against San Francisco, there was a part of me that thought when he kept challenging everything, <laughs> there was a part of me that thought and he was challenging like he made a couple of challenges that were just dumb it was like that ball's on the ground what are you doing right you know what I mean Uh, and he was challenging it and I thought he was panicking a little bit that was my thought um but you know uh maybe he wasn't but he I think he is Look, to me, he's the prototype of a lot of the young coaches that we now see, right? Mm-hmm. He was the one. They hired him. He was the youngest coach in the NFL, and he came with all this energy. He came with this sort of new age approach to the game, you know, and it seems that once the Rams had their success with McVay, NFL is a copycat league. and. Yeah other teams wanted to find the next McVay. 
So when we see all these young coaches on the sidelines now, it's because of McVay. Yeah. Right. And I just think McVay's been been McVay longer than these McVay point twos have been McVay point twos. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I think he's going to I think he's going to have his team ready. Uh, to go out there and really have a good game and the players will respond. So I'm looking forward to it, man. 37, 16. And we can come back and talk about all the details uh, next week. Um, Hey, listen, before we leave the NFL, um, just real quickly on Brian Flores, because one of the things that happened this week, um, you know, Brian Flores, his lawsuit has been filed against the NFL and against He also named the Giants, the Broncos, and the Dolphins in his suit. Um, But at the time that he filed his lawsuit, he was still in the running for two jobs, including the head coaching job with the Houston Texans. That job went to Lovey Smith, someone who didn't appear to be a finalist or even be on the radar of the Texans. And Flores' lawyers have come out and said, the only reason why he didn't get the job is because of the lawsuit. First of all, do you agree with that? Do you think that's the only reason why he didn't get that job? Or that's the main reason why he didn't get the job with the Texans? I think it was definitely a factor. And I believe that the Lovey Smith hiring was a reaction to that. Um, I This is just my personal opinion. There's no, you know, outside anything influencing this i think the nfl may have had a hand in pushing the texans to hire lovey smith because like you said he wasn't a candidate nobody's talking about him nobody's interviewing him that that we know of um and all of a sudden nfl redacts their not redacts but comes out with a new statement um regarding the brian flores um lawsuit and all that stuff and their practices with diversity and the next day lovey smith is hired so it, it was kind of funky timing the way everything happened. So I think the lawsuit did factor into uh, the Texans' decision not to move forward with Flores, and it did factor into, I think, the hiring of Lovey Smith as well. Yeah, and, you know, I, I thought about this, Rob, from my own perspective. Look, I don't own an NFL team. You know, I, I, I run a small business, Right. But as as a business owner, I'm thinking to myself, if I had a job candidate that I had under consideration to run my business or a key part of my business, and he or she had filed a lawsuit against the industry that I'm in. <laughs> yeah. Right. And um and it's not against me, but it's in the industry. It's against other competitors and all the rest of it. And it's a blockbuster lawsuit. I might not hire that candidate either because I'm yeah. thinking I need you to be here running, you know, my division, my company or whatever. And I need your 100% attention. I don't need you focus, you know, having your attention diverted by this you know, very public lawsuit. I don't need you to be, you know, having to, oh, I got to go, I'm in depositions next week. You know what I mean? I don't need you telling me, you know, trial date is set for such and such a time or we're in settlement talks and all the rest of it. In short, I don't want the drama. Yeah. Now, you know, (laughs) I don't know if someone's going to say, well, Because I'm thinking to myself, the Texans are going to be named in a lawsuit next by (laughs) Flores' lawyers. (laughs) That's what I believe. But And I can understand why they would do that. I can understand why they would do that. But as I, I, I also can see some legitimate business reasons why someone might not hire Flores. You and I both said it. You know, when this story first broke, we texted each other and said, he's done. Yeah. As far as getting head coaching jobs. And and, and that's think- part of why everybody say he's so courageous. They're saying he, because look, 
people file lawsuits all the time. He's not courageous because he filed a lawsuit. His, his courage is coming because he's filed a lawsuit that essentially has ended his career as a head coach or a head coaching prospect in the NFL. Yeah, and I think he knew that coming into this and fighting the lawsuit. And I think he mentioned it as well in his interviews across um, different outlets and stuff like that, where he said, uh, I know what I'm risking here. Um, and it's, you know, you're, you're filing a lawsuit against Big Brother, per se, you know? So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's going to affect his, his employment. Um, will he get a coaching opportunity next year? We'll see. But, yeah, I think going into this, I think he knew this. I think, you know, a lot of his peers knew this. I think the teams that were interviewing him must have known, like, I don't know if we can hire him right now. Like, I don't know if this is a good time to hire him. And it's not that he's not qualified for the job. He did a great job in Miami. Um, But, like you said, there's a lot of stuff going on around him. To bring that into a team like the Texans, for example, that already have their share of drama going on, and still have to figure out the Deshaun Watson stuff and all that stuff. They're a bad team. <laughs> they were not good at all last year. They're basically rebuilding that whole culture. I don't know if that's the start you want to have with having Brian Flores come in as the head coach. I, I totally agree. And, and I'm sure there are, you know, some that would disagree and say, no, you know, if you're not going to hire him because he filed the lawsuit, you're discriminating against him. And I, I, I get the argument. I don't agree with that argument. As I said, I think there could be legitimate business reasons why, as you just said, already have a mess on our hands with Deshaun Watson. Already have a mess on our hands by being a bad football team. I'm not going to now put gasoline on a fire by bringing in a guy who's really hot right now because of this very public lawsuit, this blockbuster lawsuit against the NFL. Not going to do it. I need to bring some stability to my franchise and get us going in the right direction. I think that's a legitimate business reason, if you ask me. But, you know, um, his lawyers seem to be surprised by it. I'm thinking, what did you think? I know. (laughs) You, You think this lawsuit was going to make him the hot candidate of the hour? The teams would be clamoring for him. Come on now. And you know how I feel about his lawyers, so. Yeah. (laughs) So so anyway, um, we'll see what happens as as that continues to, to, to make its way through. But I would not be surprised if by Friday his lawyers go into court and and amend their complaint to include the Houston Texans so that they can get some publicity leading into the into the Super Bowl. I'm telling you, I wouldn't mm. be surprised. Yeah. So, we'll see, but on, on on let's switch gears and go to the NBA because there's a lot going on there um in terms of the NBA trade deadline which is as we're speaking now Wednesday, the trade deadline is tomorrow. Uh, February 10th and there's been some moves you know Tyrese Halliburton going from the Kings to the Pacers uh, Karis LeVert going from the Pacers to the Cleveland Cavaliers but this I think we're still waiting perhaps for some big shoes to drop and there's still some talk of James Harden going from the Nets to the Sixers in exchange for Ben Simmons. First of all, let me ask you this, Rob, as a basketball guy, if you're the Nets, do you make that trade? And then if, and then answer it from the other side, if you're the Sixers, uh, which seems to be the easier one because they right now have a player who was, who's not playing. So maybe that's too easy, but if you're the (laughs) Nets, you make that trade, Ben Simmons, you know, you, you trade Harden, in exchange for Simmons? That's tough. And if you would have asked me this last year, maybe the decision is a little bit easier because both guys are playing. Um, but James Harden hasn't been James Harden. He's been hurt. He is ha- He's having a hamstring issue now. 
Um, you can kind of feel like there's a lot of mileage on him from maybe his time in Houston where for a while he was basically by himself and then he had, you know, Chris Paul and Westbrook and a bunch of other guys. But you feel like there's a lot of mileage on him. Um, ben Simmons, we have no idea what he is this year. Obviously, he's probably keeping himself in shape, keeping himself ready to go, all that stuff. But if I'm the Nets, I think I make the trade. And this is why. I think with Ben Simmons, obviously you lose offense because James Harden, he's averaging 20-something points a game. Um, he can very quickly drop 35 on you out of the blue. He's, he can get you a triple-double, all that stuff. But I think you, you improve defensively with Ben Simmons, assuming he comes back to player he is. You improve defensively, and you get a guy out in James Harden who, according to reports, doesn't want to be in Brooklyn. Um, he's a free agent after this year and seems like he's ready to test the market and see what's out there for him. And, you know, the, the, mo the most likely scenario if he stays is maybe a signing trade and you get something back for James Harden at the end of the season. But I think if you can get a caliber player, a Ben Simmons-type player, and you get Ben Simmons back in this trade, I think that's a good trade for the Nets to make. On the other side, I think it's a no-brainer. I think you, you, if you can get James Harden for Ben Simmons, if you're Philly, you do it because you'll get James Harden to play every single day as opposed to a no-show in Ben Simmons. So I would make the trade for both sides. I think it's a trade that you almost have to make because you won't get more value for those two players anywhere else. You know, for me, if I'm the Nets, I don't want Ben Simmons. I think he's too much of a risk. Um, I don't know what Ben Simmons' makeup is because I thought that after his poor showing in the playoffs last year and the criticism that he received, some of it may be a little bit over the top, you know, I, I think Doc Rivers kind of threw him under the bus in his post-game interview um, after the loss to the Hawks in, in the playoffs. Um, but he did earn some of the criticism for his poor play. I thought after that that Ben Simmons was going to spend the summer, work on his game, and come back and essentially say, I'll show you. I thought he was going to do that. Instead, he responded by saying, I'm never playing for you again. I'm going, you know, announced that he was holding out. Then, you know, says he has, you know, mental health issues. And I'm not doubting that he does. But, uh, you know, for me, I, 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 it disappointed me that he didn't sort of take this challenge on and say, I'm going to come back next year and I'm going to show you guys. That I'm a baller. He didn't do that. So for me right now, there's a question to me about his internal fortitude. Mm -hmm. And if there's a question about internal fortitude, New York's not the place for you. Mm -hmm. I, 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 that to me is a bad mix because if Ben Simmons comes to New York and he tries to fake the funk, New Yorkers are going to sniff him out in the proverbial New York minute. And if he thought Philadelphia was bad, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And that's what concerns me about Ben Simmons. So that's one thing. But the other thing, Rob, is this. Ben Simmons, if, if we assume that KD and Kyrie are going to still be with the Nets and still playing together, Ben Simmons is the third option. Ben Simmons is not going to have the ball in his hands like he did when he was in Philadelphia. It's just not. And so I wonder how he's going to play. How do you use him if he's not the guy with the ball in his hands? Mm. And he's not going to come over here and demand the ball from KD or no. from Kyrie. <laughs> so what happens to him? Does he go into the corner? He can't do that because he can't shoot three-pointers. So what? where's he going to be doing when he doesn't have the ball in his hands? And what kind of threat is, is he if he doesn't even have an outside jump shot? 
So I don't, to me, I'm wondering how does he even fit in as a basketball player, putting aside the internal, you know, whether he has a fortitude or not, but is it a right talent mix for the Nets? And I'm not sure it is, given that you have two ball-dominant guys and two true alpha males in KD and Kyrie. I, I just wonder from a basketball perspective, is Ben Simmons a good fit on that team? Honestly, I don't think he's a fit basketball perspective. Like what you're saying, in a basketball view, I don't see where he fits unless you kind of have to take the ball away from Kyrie when Kyrie's there playing. And that's not something that I would personally do if I'm Steve Nash as a coach because you want Kyrie with the ball in his hand at the top of the key and driving. And that's what Kyrie does best. He drives, he's one of the best finishers I think I've ever seen um, at the basket. So I don't think you want to take him off the ball. Can he play off the ball? Of course. Yeah, he can shoot. He can he can cut. He can do whatever. Um, but I think if what, what you want to hope for is that Ben Simmons has developed some type of jump shot outside of the paint. And that's kind of where it would work. But again, we haven't seen that from Ben Simmons in his career yet. So to kind of expect that all of a sudden would be foolish, I think. So I agree with you on that perspective. In a basketball sense, they need they would have to figure something out of how Ben Simmons is going to fit. But in terms of just outside of basketball yeah, perspective, was, that, that's why I think that you, you have to make the trade. Just because of value you'll get back. Yeah, I understand the value part of it. Um, I, I just... I just don't see it working as, you know, from an X's and O's and it just, you know, we're, we're out here playing and trying to win games. And because I think Ben Simmons, part of his talent is that he truly is a six ten point guard with the wingspan of a condor. You know what I mean? And he can play the defense <laughs> and everything else. And I think that's his, I think that's his strength. But if, but if you take if you if you take the ball out of his hands for a guy who is otherwise offensively limited, I don't know what he does for you on the court, and and, and that's the con, you know, and that's the concern I have. And you know, if the Nets make the trade, is Ben Simmons ready to play? Mm. Is he mentally ready to play? Is he physically ready to play? You know, um, I would tend to think physically he probably isn't, right? He doesn't even show up anywhere around the Sixers, right? Not so yeah, I think I don't, he just I don't shows even up know if leaves. he's ready to play. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know, Rob. I I I I think I would take a pass on Ben Simmons if I'm the Nets. I first I just don't think New York is a good fit for him and I don't believe the Nets are a fit for him. But because I'm a Knicks fan, go ahead, uh, Brooklyn Nets, go ahead and trade for him. I don't <laughs> think it's going to work. For, I don't think it's going to work for you. So so go ahead and do it. <laughs> I'm I'm rooting for you to do it. But if I step if I take a step back, I could say I don't think that's going to work. But go ahead and do it. Yeah. <laughs> um, speaking about the Knicks, what do you think the Knicks should do, man? I mean, oh man, man, the Knicks last year, you know, they captured the city again, right? I mean, they made the playoffs, they captured the city. You know, it, it's isn't it amazing that Bing Bong seems like like three years ago, right? <laughs> this year when they were five <laughs> and one, and everybody was Bing Bonging all over the city. Um, and right now, man, they are playing such bad basketball. Julius Randle is slapping computers <laughs> and, 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 and doing all kinds of stuff, man. Rob, what's going on, man? What's going on with our Knicks, man? I don't know, man. The, the Knicks do this to us all the time. They give us a little bit of hope one year and then rip our hearts out the next. When we think, man, we, we're going to get better. We just got a couple of new guys into the mix. Yeah, we're going to make a run. We made the playoffs last year. Now we're going to go for the championship. I'm out here talking to my friends. Yeah, New York Knicks keep the lights on. Nets who? And and then this happens. So <laughs> here we are. Yeah. 
I don't know, man. I I don't know what kind of trades they have to make if they're going to make any trades. I'm not optimistic about the season if they even make the playoffs. I don't know, man. They need they need something different. They do, man. And and I look, I I thought the Knicks played over their heads last year and I thought that their biggest talent last year was the the ability to play hard and not quit. And that was something that was really endearing, right? Again, you're talking New York. And New York doesn't mind if you lose, but you're going out there and, and, and you bringing it, right? And the Knicks were bringing it last year, you know, and that was one of their better qualities. And this year, with pretty much the same team, even though they brought in Kimba Walker, who's been a real disappointment, and mm-hmm. Eric Fournier, who... I never really liked him anyway, because to me, he's a complimentary piece at best. And I agree. I think he's the kind of guy who does start on the Orlando Magic. You know what I'm saying? But he shouldn't be starting <laughs> on the New York Knicks. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's not, you know, you start for Sacramento, you can start for Orlando Magic. There's certain teams around the league you can start for, but he's not a starting point guard, really. I think he's, you know... He's a bench player, really. Yeah. Um, so I wasn't excited about his signing. But right now, the Knicks are talking about potentially trading Kemba, uh, potentially trading Fournier, and even Julius Randle. Do you think the Knicks should entertain a trade for Randle? Honestly, I wouldn't mind them entertaining a trade. It's crazy to think that they're entertaining a trade considering the kind of player – the kind of season he had last year, which I think you and I spoke about it. I don't know if it was a couple of weeks ago where we kind of realized, wait a minute, last year was this crazy year for him, but this year seems that like a disappointment, right? But when you look at his stats and stuff like that, it's kind of who Julius Randle is. So I wouldn't mind them looking out there. I don't know how high his trade value is, considering, you know, the struggles he's had this year, attitude-wise and stuff like that. Um, I don't know if I would pull the trigger on a trade, though, unless it's something where you can look forward to next year that'll really make an impact for next year. Because I don't think you're going to get anything back, You or you shouldn't get anything back that's temporary just for this year. You know, I I, I, I think about teams that, are playoff contenders or playoff teams and teams that believe that they have a chance to compete for the NBA championship. And if I'm one of those teams, I don't know if I think Julius Randle gets me over the top. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, cause if I'm, if I'm one of those teams already, my starting five is probably pretty good. Um, and do I bring in a Julius Randle, a guy who's a volume guy? He needs the ball. He needs to play to be most effective. And one of the things that's been, I think, a red flag for the Knicks and probably for teams around the league has been what I view as some immaturity on Julius Randle's part. Mm-hmm. I think the thumbs down thing was a sign of immaturity or was an immature act, at least. Um, I think that him the other day against the Lakers, where the assistant coach was trying to show him something on the laptop during a timeout, and Julius Randle attacked the computer. <laughs> I think that was <laughs> a sign of immaturity. And and quite frankly, Rob, I think some of his sulking and his bad body language seems to coincide with the emergence of R.J. Barrett and Barrett not being as deferential on the court and maybe being a bit more assertive and playing well. And, you know, Julius Randle last year was the undisputed alpha dog of the Knicks. And I think right now you have, you know, R.J. Barrett kind of, you know, showing himself to be a contender to the throne, so to speak, right? And I think Julius doesn't quite like that and he's kind of sulking around and so 
if I'm another team, those types of things don't attract me to what is already, in my opinion, a limited player, right? Um, yeah. A player with some limitations. He has some good qualities, but I don't know if I'm contending for a postseason spot or I believe I have championship aspirations as an organization that I'm going out and acquiring Julius Randle. Yeah, I agree. I don't think he's a, you know, oh, we just got Julius Randle. Yeah, now we got this. You know what I mean? I yeah. think you're, you're right on the money with that. He's more of a complimentary piece. And I think we said this too with the Knicks. You know, if he's going to be the Knicks number one, then they're not playing for a championship because they need somebody to be that number one where maybe Julius right. Randle can slide back to the number two. And maybe that's when the Knicks kind of take that next step forward. But I 100% agree with you. He's not a difference maker per se on a team. No, but you know who I think has shown himself to be a difference maker on a Knicks and he's done it by his absence is Derek Rose. Mm -hmm. I believe that a lot of their struggles is tied to the absence of Derek Rose. Yeah. You know, Derek Rose is a pro, he's a vet, and he's a glue guy for that team in particular. Um, and they've missed him terribly. I 100% and, agree with that. Yep. So I, I think that's been something that's been, um, you know, a big void for the Knicks. Hey, listen, real quick, man. Um, lastly, on, on the NBA, can we get to the point right now where we say, the Lakers are in trouble. I, I think Whoa. the Lakers need to make a deal. And I don't know if they're going to do it. I don't know if, I, I don't see anything working on Russell Westbrook. I really don't. No. Um, I think Russell Westbrook has gotten blistered, maybe a bit unfairly, but he's he hasn't played well. Um, but the the Lakers right now, bro, look, look, fine. You beat the Knicks in overtime. Think about that. It took overtime yeah. <laughs> to beat the Knicks. Okay. <laughs> it took an extra an extra period to beat the Knicks. So just think about that. <laughs> and then <laughs> and then you get blasted by Milwaukee. Yeah. And LeBron James says we're not on that level. And I'm thinking, wow, what a news flash. The Lakers. <laughs> I'm tired of talking about them. I'm tired of hearing about them. The Lakers, look, either you play better or you go home. And I'm tired of hearing about it. Now, of course, it will continue because LeBron is there and, you know, you got these big personalities. But, Rob, the Lakers are a bad team. They are. They just are. They are. And you can say anything you want about injuries and this and whatever, but they were just from the beginning, and we spoke about this too, a poorly constructed roster. Westbrook was never going to work there. It wasn't going to be a fit. Um, yes, he's played bad. He he can't make a shot. You know, you can kind of tell even by just the way he plays. He's not himself. But we knew that going into the into the season that he wasn't going to be able to be himself on this team with that roster. And I don't know how the Lakers front office didn't see that. I don't know how LeBron didn't see that. Who's sees everything. The guy's a is a player GM. But we we knew it wasn't going to work out and this is the result of it. And you know, it's funny and 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 that's how I see Ben Simmons in New York. Mm. It, to me it's it's kind of the same thing. It just doesn't fit the 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 blend of talent instead of it blending or you know, the mixture of talent instead of it blending, it kind of clashes. Right, yeah. because Russ is a guy who needs the ball in his hands. Russ needs to be able to put up twenty-seven shots in order to get his twenty-seven points. You know what I mean? <laughs> He's that kind of a guy. You know what I mean? And you know, and he needs the ball in his hands constantly. And we knew it, right? And wait a minute, LeBron's going to have the ball in his hands, and then AD's going to have to get his share of shots and so forth. And 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 that's the kind of the danger I see with with the Nets getting 
um, Ben Simmons. And and the last thing I would just going back to the Nets real quickly before we get out of here is I, I still think it's too bad that we haven't really seen KD, James Harden, and Kyrie play together for a sustained period of time. Yeah. One of because the biggest I, what ifs, I think, in, yeah. in maybe NBA history. Yeah. Yeah. And as much as I don't like the Nets, I would, I, I want to see what that would look like because in the brief glimpse that we've had of it, it looked pretty darn good. Yeah. It really did. Yeah. It really did. And it'd be too bad if that never really came to fruition. And it does seem like it's short-lived for so many reasons. You know, the injuries to KD, the um, vaccination issue with Kyrie, and then, you know, James has had his share of injuries, and now he may be on his way out of town. So anyway... Well, we're on our way up on out of here, um, but we're going to come back next week. We'll, we'll, you know, at that point, we'll see who is the new Super Bowl champion. Um, and listen, man, I think if if I if 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 my thirty seven sixteen comes to fruition, I don't care that you picked more games correctly <laughs> than me. I will be the champion. <laughs> because if i pick the game right on the nose that has to be worth some extra points right there uh we'll see we'll we'll have to bring that to the committee yeah here i am i'm just coming off a suspension (laughs) and i'm already trying to change the rules Well, listen, man, enjoy the Super Bowl. Enjoy the Super Bowl. Um, Let's see what happens over the next 24 hours with the NBA trade deadline. That may bring another trade or two. But the Super Bowl is the big story coming up. And, you know, uh, looking forward to that and the halftime show. And then, of course, looking forward to coming back next week and doing it all over again. But until then, man, you have a good one. All right. Thank you, brother. You too. Okay.